0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am your host, Brett McGrath. Hopefully, you're off to a good start this week. And thank you for making Modern Day Marketer a part of your week. We appreciate that. I got Jonathan on the podcast. It's going to be a fun one. This week, we are sponsoring the SaaS Marketing Summit put on by Corey Haynes of Swipe Files. An amazing group and collection of marketers are going to be on this event presenting. We're gonna put the links, all of it in the show notes. Sign up. We'd love to see you there. I'm giving a chat with a, a great group of marketers on how to overcome growth plateaus and scale a team. Excited about that one. And I decided there's a founder track, and I decided, um, why not bring Jonathan on the podcast to talk about the topic that the founders are talking about on this. So how to go from zero to one and one to 100 in customer acquisition. We're all trying to grow. We're all trying to get more customers. So I wanted to bring Jonathan on to chat about that. If you like what we're doing over here, follow, subscribe, all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a marketing friend you're enjoying this show. Without further ado, let's hit it. Let's kick it to the conversation what is up everybody welcome back to modern day marketer Jonathan back on the podcast it's a big week for for us um, we are I it's always big weeks um, we always try to make something important happen some news to share some things to talk about um, this week we are excited to be sponsoring the SaaS marketing summit that is put on by Corey Haynes who is, a phenomenal marketer and creator in the space. If you're unfamiliar with this uh, project, you should go check out Swipe Files. He's building a really awesome community. And we saw this event, saw this opportunity and thought that this is something that we want to be a part of. And I think being an early stage company, evaluating where you put your dollars, where you align, who you want to share space with is something we think a lot about. So, what I wanted to do was maybe talk a little bit about one of the tracks. And I don't want to like try to recreate the event, but there was a topic that some founders are going to be talking about at the event. And I felt like it would be a good episode for Modern Day Marketer and an opportunity since this is dropping on Monday to try to get all of you um, who are listeners of the show to be aware that the SaaS Marketing Summit is going down and sign up if you're available on Wednesday. So we will be putting the link to that that event to register. It's free. That'll be in the show notes. And we'd love to see you there. I I did a little more talking than I normally do up front. Jonathan, I want to welcome you. How is it going?
1: It's going well. This is, uh, you're right. This is one of the 52 big weeks that we have this year scheduled. So um, it is an exciting time, exciting event. Uh, Try to surround yourself with smart people and trust good things will happen. Uh, And so that's what we're doing uh, with SAS Summit and uh, excited that hopefully some of you listening will be able to attend. Uh, I'm excited to attend and listen and learn myself. I'm more excited to be involved corporately as the juice as
0: well. So I had uh, Elena on here last week, and we were talking about growth stuff and sponsorship dollars, and just the trials and tribulations of being a growth marketer um, at a company that's existed in eighteen months. And uh, maybe this would be like we can start off by like a good continuation of that conversation where I stated like we're in, we're not investing our dollars right now in. You know, Google AdWords and display ads and content syndication, but like we're putting our money in the places where pe- creators are who've built trust and who have audiences. And Corey's being one of them. Um, so maybe like I'd love to get your just perspective on that. And like we didn't do that when we were working at Exact Target. That wasn't a thing, but that's very much a thing now. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about that shift and kind of what you're seeing as the CEO and just kind of aligning with some of our growth initiatives?
1: Yeah, I would say that, you know, we it's not that we haven't ever invested in some of the things you outlined, kind of the more traditional B2B digital advertising tactics that are AdWords, search, social. We still do some lightweight investing there, but we have learned through experimentation and running tests that those aren't the best channels for what we need to grow our business. In fact, we've learned the best channel for us is for lack of a better term, I I don't think this is exactly right, but it is B2B marketing influencers. right? And that is, we're not paying people to post a reel on Instagram or a TikTok about a product yet, but uh, we're going to people who have an audience that produce really high quality content. That's what we're in the business of is sharing high quality content. So we find people that are producing it. We partner with them and, and... Try to plug into their audience. Uh, and it makes sense, right? Inherently, the people who are subscribed to these B2B thought leaders, content creators, uh, the people in their audience are inherently high volume content consumers our platform helps people consume content. And so that's worked out really nice for us. So that is a channel that has proven to be repeatable and scales for us. So we keep going back to that channel, uh, either with new partners or existing partners, um, and it continues to perform really well for us. So until we hit that law of diminishing returns, we're going to keep pouring in there. It's been fun as I've been out fundraising, talking about you know, people ask, you know, what are your, how are you acquiring your audience, and it's a combination of paid and organic marketing efforts. Well, what's your best paid channel, and we end up talking on this subject, and I get a lot of uh, kind of eyebrows raised when we start talking through it, and then as I explain it to them, I'm like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, so I think it's just like the influencer marketing or that like very personal like uh, monetization channel for thought leaders, like. It's still pretty new. You're right. We didn't have it when we were at exact target, but it's it's emerging and it, it, it's working. So I think it's only going to grow into the
0: future. I'd love to maybe go back to like the behind the scenes investor conversations and you're discussing the growth and how, where we're putting our dollars and what's working and what's not. And you mentioned that, you you know, some eyebrows get raised. And I think I led with, this is like a very new thing. So maybe like break it down a little bit about like, is it they don't they don't understand that like freelancers or creators who have side projects this is an opportunity is it like a doubt that this is a long-term sustainable strategy is it something else i'd love for you to maybe dig into that a little bit more
1: i think that it's just so new and that traditionally when you hear influencer marketing you're you're thinking about consumer products the you know the skincare regimen that you see on instagram or tiktok or the you know the things you see in like Twitter replies. Uh, you know I think a lot of times people think of influencer marketing influencer marketing as maybe unsophisticated, very consumer driven. But uh, the truth is, anybody with an audience can be an influencer, um, and they've earned trust with that audience, which is key. And so that's what we want to partner with is people who have that trust, uh, and we want to lean into that and help their audience do what they want to do more of, which is find high quality content. So that's worked for us. I think it can certainly be abused or used nefariously, but uh, we're, we're finding the right partners and it's
0: been very measurable for us, which is also good. And so we're going to keep doing it. I think before we get off this topic, just to be like really clear to anyone listening. So what, when we are going to these uh, influencers, we our offer is to sign up for the platform, which is completely free and anyone can do it. And it's not, hey, go read our like soundbite about who we are and what we do and hit request a demo and then get put into this sales process that we, we've all been through as, you know, buyers of marketing and sales technology. And so I, I just wanted to like call that out and be really clear because I think it's not like we don't want the, the ladder to take place and happen, but from a, from a synergy and from a promotion perspective, we're able to kind of pull the lever of one of our primary business drivers. And it's very easy for the reader to get introduced to the juice and then go through our onboarding process and then um, become a member of the platform. So I just wanted to make sure that the caveat there for us, as opposed to kind of, you know, maybe more traditional B2B sell to brands that that's Kind of what our primary objective is on these promotions. I don't know if you have anything additional you want to add to that um, or not.
1: Yeah, it's a value add, right? Like we're not we're not asking them to sell something on our behalf. We're asking them to share something that'll help their audience, which is why I think the partnerships work so well. And certainly that eventually leads to business for us. It's not a direct transaction, but uh, we just have to we have to trust that that process will work down the road. Uh, and so far, it has. So uh, yeah, it's it's all about that
0: value add and kind of that true partnership uh, with their audience. And so Corey uh, Haynes with Swipe Files, who's putting on the SaaS Marketing Summit, has been one of those uh, influencers slash creators that we've gravitated towards from for as long as I can remember working at the Jews. We've been in conversations. He's been on this podcast. He's hosting this event. We're speaking at this event. We're sponsoring at this event. And so I was digging into the agenda. And there's a track that we're not involved with. Um, but it's a, the founder track. And the topic is how to go from one or zero to one and one to a hundred in customer acquisition. And I felt like, hey, this might be good content. Let's, 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 let's do a little mini session with Jonathan, get his perspective um, at least so we can have some say in in that track, albeit not at the event and on our own, but hey, we're promoting it. So what are you going to do? I I want to start from here. So zero to one selling the juice, going back to the archive, think back to founder led sales. If you're, if you're kind of like on this panel and you're talking about just your experience at the juice going from like having no customers to having one customer, what sort of things would you be calling out and talking about?
1: I know we've we've shared this story previously um, on the podcast. I know also that not every single listener listens to every single episode, uh, but this this is something I'm really passionate about. We, I, I think the uh, the famous uh, cliche or maybe term is you know if you ask for advice, you'll get money. If you ask for money, you'll get advice. So that's the the short answer. Uh, The long answer is we set out to talk to 100 marketers in 100 days to validate what we were building. While we were doing that, we started to see enough patterns and people... So we, we found the pain points that people wanted to solve for. And they started to ask us, like, what it's going to cost, what we're building, right? And we didn't even know what we're building yet. And so that's when um, I had a conversation with a few of the stakeholders here in the high alpha venture studio model. And it's like, well, let's just start selling something. You know, let's put a price tag on it and put some slides together and see what happens. And so uh, we did that. I put together a beta program, charged, I think, uh, $20,000 for it. And uh, yeah, we, we got some people to buy in. So. Uh, I think for founder-led sales, the advice here is just start selling. I think I am I am even guilty of, I think it's the product marker in me. I want to get something like packaged up and like perfect before we launch it. Um, and so this is kind of went against my traditional like preferences i would say but i think you just got to start selling things and even if people are telling you no you can learn so much from why they're saying no or or uh what they're saying no about that'll get you to a yes you just got to start selling it so uh, we were selling slides in a vision uh we got our first two customers and then i remember i sat down with a product designer and said can we build this uh, what we just sold thankfully the answer was yes Uh, those people are still happy customers um, two years later. So that's been a fun evolution, but I think my lesson would be just get out and start selling it. Make the ask as uncomfortable as it is. If it's, if you get yeses, that's fantastic. Obviously, if you get no's, you'll learn from that and you'll get closer to something that you can sell anyway.
0: Uh, so maybe like just to drill into that a little bit, when you're selling slides and a vision, no product in place yet how are like how are you managing that relationship how are you setting expectations how are obviously money's coming in or eventually going to come in and they're going to want to see something for those those payments what what is the balancing act especially as you're you know, recruiting, building team, trying to get product people on board who can actually bring this thing to life? Like, it sounds like it's probably spinning a lot of plates at once and making sure they don't all fall, but maybe share some perspective there.
1: I would say two answers to that question. One is what services can you provide in the immediate term that provide value while you're building your software? Uh, so we started with a service, we called it content concierge, where I personally was going out and scouring the internet for content that might matter uh, for their team. That could be industry content, competitor content, their own content, and loading it to a landing page for them that we had built. But they were actually doing that weekly in their Slack. Um, and we just started putting it on and they were sharing you know, a ton of links over and over and over again. I was like, well, why don't we just put all those links in one page and then you just share the page? And that was value to them. And so that was the service we started with uh, while we were building the product. The other thing is, I think there's a lot of things you can do unnatural for a beta program. You know, we We offered discounted pricing. So I think we offered 20K. Neither of them paid us 20K. So they got discounted pricing. It's influence on roadmap. It's, um, you know, being grandfathered into all feature sets into perpetuity. So, you know, we're not going to come back to them and upsell them in the future as a beta partner, limiting it, making it, hey, we're only going to have 10 of these spots to drive some urgency. So I think you can just get really creative with some of the kind of promotions within a beta program uh, and then also the services side as well.
0: So throughout this process, people come on board, product gets built. Now you're to the phase of, I would imagine at the beginning, it's like, whoever's going to listen, whoever wants to buy this, we're going to make it work and we're going to layer in these services and, you know, give them access to the product. But then there's, you know, selling consistent selling that's going on um, now. And it's like kind of that one to a hundred phase and what, like, what changes from like no product early customers to that kind of this phase two where, you're starting to see more and more customers come in. Is it to the point where you start seeing consistencies across that customer portfolio, or is it still kind of, you know, questioning like who actually are the best fits for what we're doing? We had a
1: surge of sales, uh, for us, you know, if you're an enterprise business, what we sold might not look like a surge, but for us, we had a surge of sales right before we launched product, which was great. Uh, a lot of people were excited about it. You know, we were able to tell them, hey, this is launching in two months. You should get on board now. Uh, and that's while we we're still doing founder-led sales. And then in that time, we had our sales leader, Kate, who you had on recently, join as well. And she, she was really frustrated that we didn't maintain that momentum. And I, I still to this day, I tell her, you know, it's so much easier to sell slides in a vision than it is a V1 of a live product, right? Because that that v1 is your like maybe your MVP, quite literally, or, you know, it, it's got not necessarily bugs, but it doesn't, it's not the vision, right? The vision is a five-year, 10-year thing, but um, it takes many iterations to get there. And so that, that V1 of product selling that is way harder, I think, than selling slides in a vision um, as a founder potentially. So I think what we have seen now, I would still say the juice is probably pre-product market fit. Um, which I think is a really interesting, really challenging place to be. I think we have bits and pieces of it here and there in our product, but I don't think we've put it together quite right quite yet. We have pieces that drive a lot of value. And then we have pieces that I think are probably a distraction to us internally, as well as our customers. I've shared uh, internally with our team. I think our product creates a lot of value. I don't think we've figured out how to extract that value for our customers um, in the best way possible yet. Now we have a lot of happy customers that are extracting that value, but I don't think we've made it as easy on them as we can. So I'm excited about that in the future. It feels like we're we're in the right zip code. We're just not in the right neighborhood yet with our product. So um, I think what we need to do and what we are doing now is, is listening to customer feedback, listening prospect feedback internally. I think you always hear the advice try not to be everything to everybody. And that's something I've like really leaned into. And you try to like be very specific, but it that will sneak up on you so fast. Cause you had this little feature based on this feedback. You're like, oh yeah, we're not like, it's just that one piece of feedback. And then you do it on this other uh, piece of feedback and then you do it on this other piece of feedback. And all of a sudden you're, you're building this breadth uh, to your product instead of depth in it. And I think we like any early stage startup are probably a, l- a little guilty of that. So all that to say, I think, uh, you know, finding that product market fit and then just really focusing on what's repeatable and what is driving value and trying not to over-index on any one piece of feedback, but really waiting for the trends and the themes to emerge in your product and then just stack on top of that.
0: So when you're trying to find product market fit, and hopefully everybody enjoys the honesty of this conversation, we're, we're, we're not saying what we built is the, the most perfect thing in the world. We're still trying to figure this out. Yeah. We're yet. trying to... F- not yet. And we're trying to figure this out with our customers too, but I want to talk about churn. I think anybody in an early stage company deals with it. A lot of people just don't like to talk about it. And when customers leave, it sucks, but is 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 churn at the stage of uh, the business that we're in right now, can that be viewed as a good thing, as a reallocation of focus and resources towards customers and accounts who are a better fit for where we are right now and where we're going. Like talk a little bit about your perspective as a a CEO and founder, when you see customers churning out.
1: If you're asking me or our board, um, I would say, (laughs) yes, there is. uh, There is good churn. And I, I, I'm joking. They've, they've been on board with that as well. We, you know, as part of that beta program, you, you, in the early days you want to sell to anybody that will write you a check, right. Uh, Get the thing off the ground and, we did some of that. Uh, we had a broader ICP at that time than we have now, and so uh, some of those were with us for about a year. And when it came up for them to renew, you know, we we would have loved to have kept them on and continued to try to uh, find value for them in the product. But when they turned, they weren't ones that uh, we went back to and, and you know really fought for. Is like this probably makes sense for everybody involved. Let's focus on dedicating our resources to the customers that are a better fit and can grow with us. I think that anytime you have churn, I'm always a big fan of, you know, make them say no twice. Uh, If they say they're going to churn, I think I always just, you know, try to go back to them with a final offer or kind of final pitch and make sure uh, they're dug in on that. But I think there are others when it's not a great ICP fit, especially early on, and your resources are stretched so thin, just go ahead and move those
0: resources to where it makes sense. So I want to hit a couple topics before we close this out that I know Corey is going to be talking about with the group at the SaaS Marketing Summit. It is, if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, you have not missed it. It's on Wednesday. The link is in the show notes. Sign up. It's free. We'd love to have you there. Deploying of capital after a fundraise. So I think you've been busy having conversations, trying to raise money. Um, At The Juice, uh, we are rounding out that and getting ready to kind of move forward on the next chapter. Like, how do you think about the new investment into the business and where that money goes in order to kind of get us to that next level?
1: Great question. I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth here a little bit, but I think, you know, ideally, hopefully you're fundraising, not because you have to. Yeah, so you're fundraising not because you have to and you're running out of money, but because you have an opportunity to pour gas on something that you know is working. Now, the juice just fundraised because of both of those things, right? I think there is some natural, uh, at least in VC-backed businesses, you know, um, runway uh, starts to dwindle down, and hopefully things are working, so it makes sense to go fundraise again. But I think some people, uh, you know, sometimes maybe it, it does happen where. Uh, you fundraise because you want to do something new, right? And you need new funds to go chase something new, chase that shiny, shiny object, do a complete product pivot, um, you know, grow a team, build a team, etc. But uh, I think it's much more successful, much more efficient when you know something is working and you know exactly how you're going to deploy those funds. So in our example, when I was fundraising, it was, well, how are you going to raise these funds? Well, we don't have a big hiring plan because we don't think we need it right now. Uh, But what we do have is we have audience acquisition channels that are working, what we talked about earlier on this podcast. We want to do it bigger and faster and more efficiently. These funds are going to help us do that. And then that audience will ultimately help us grow revenue. So I think it's... Uh, you want to just pour gas on the fire and and deploy funds on something that you already know you've proven out. And then you can build in you know some budget for new experiments
0: along the way. So to close it out, this is another topic. How do you know what's working versus what's just vanity? Like as the CEO of a early stage company, like what's your barometer? What's the measuring stick when thing, Inevitably, things are always happening. There's there's not a shortage of things happening, and sometimes the things are good. Sometimes the things are awesome. Sometimes they're okay. Sometimes they suck. But uh, how do you decide? Like this is where we need to like shift, focus more, double down. Like, what are your thoughts? I would measure it. How's that for an answer?
1: Um, you know, you no, know, but like I, I'm I'm kind of kidding, but kind of serious. Like. The end of the day, just make sure what you're doing, you've got a way to measure, and you're, you're stopping and reviewing things, not just continuing to go. I, my background's data. We've talked about that. I tend to like to measure things sometimes to a fault. Uh, sometimes I try to turn everything into a quantifiable metric, even when it's not. But I think we as a team at an early stage have done a good job of attributing our efforts to results and our investments to results. We have a scorecard we report on weekly. Uh, that kind of give us the results. And then we've got a really sharp team that we can dig into those metrics for context. There have been a few times in our business where, you know, both we've seen a spike in performance, whether that's user acquisition or revenue. And we've uh, done something at the same time. And we've kind of just been like, oh, causation correlation, like those two have to be related. And then you go back and you look at the day and it's like, actually they weren't. That doesn't mean one was necessarily a bad investment, but like What else happened? And we've had to like peel back a few layers on that. But I think if you are deploying funds, uh, make sure you have a way set up to track it and measure and attribute that investment to results. And then most importantly, make sure you're stopping and reviewing those results and not just continuing to go, but making sure you're reviewing it with the team, getting all the context and uh, then move your chips to the bets that are working.
0: Jonathan, thank you for being the opening act at for the SaaS uh, Marketing Summit. October 12th, Corey Haynes putting it on. It's gonna be awesome. We're all looking forward to it. There will be more Modern Day Marketer episodes to come and we're gonna be using this to push the event and promote it. So thank you for sharing your experience on what's going on and you'll be back here soon. I already know that. Thanks, Brett. We'll see you at SaaS Summit. Make sure you go check out the SaaS Marketing Summit. We will put the links. It'll be in the show notes. Go register. So many good marketers. It will certainly help you level up. Hopefully you enjoyed this chat. Got a good one coming up on Friday. Talking newsletters. You're not going to want to miss it. Take care of yourself. Everyone around you. We'll be back more Modern Day Marketer later this week.